Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Is made in the holy image of God. Welcome, friends, on this Monday, August 14th, to Praying for America. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life and President also of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, and it's a joy to welcome you here tonight. I want to talk to you about President Trump. I want to talk to you about Biden and his corruption. I want to lay things out as clearly as possible in terms of where we stand now and what we can expect in the near future. And uh, I want to give you some talking points. I want to give you some thinking points. Uh, I want to uh, stress a few things that you may or may not have heard before from other commentators. And I want to put it all, as we always do, in the light of the Word of God. So let's uh, turn right now to Scripture. I always appreciate your comments, questions, prayer intentions, whatever you want to say. Let us know that you're here. Let us know where you're from. Let, 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 let the others in our chat know uh, what you're thinking about all this stuff. If you're mad, if you're angry at what's going on, if you're distressed for the direction that the the tyranny is going in America, then you're in good company. We're all in this uh, at the same time together. The book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, you know, after the Babylonians had come in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, burned the temple, took, took, took the people into exile. This is a short book of the Old Testament that contains some of the most exquisite expressions of the grief of the human heart. And it really is a book that is appropriate for this time in America. When we see so many things destroyed, it's as if the Babylonians have come in and burned the temple. People destroying life, destroying the country, its values, its history, its border, its economy, its, its, its respect on the world stage. These, these tyrannical Marxist Democrats, what they have done really merits the words here in the book of Lamentation. But also our stance with God as our founding fathers stood merits the words in here of hope and conviction that God is not finished blessing us. So I want to read two excerpts here from Lamentation, starting in chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 13. And um, no, actually verse 15 I want to start. And then uh, the passage of hope in chapter, uh, in chapter 3. All who pass along the way clap their hands at you. They hiss and wag their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of all the earth? All your enemies rail against you. They hiss, they gnash their teeth, they cry, we have swallowed her. Ah, this is the day we longed for, now we have it, we see it. The Lord has done what He purposed. He has carried out His word which He commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. And then in chapter 3, starting with verse 21, But this I will call to mind as my reason to have hope. The favors of the Lord are not exhausted. His mercies are not spent. They are renewed each morning. So great is His faithfulness. 
The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. It is good to hope in silence for the saving help of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we are in distress in America today. We see tyranny reasserting itself, the very thing our founders fought against and instituted a governing system and a constitution to protect us from. And now we see it asserting itself arrogantly over our nation, its institutions, over our faith and values, our families and children, our borders, our security, the safety of our towns and cities and businesses. And Lord God, we cry out to you for help. We grieve as the book of Lamentations expresses, and yet we also assert hope as the book of Lamentation does too. Because the favors of the Lord to America are not exhausted. Your mercies, O God, are not spent. They are renewed each morning. So great is your faithfulness. Increase in us, Lord, that hope. Increase in us that determined reliance on your faithfulness, just as our founders did as they expressed in our Declaration of Independence. And grant the fulfillment of those hopes. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Why, by the way, did the uh, author of that book say they are renewed each morning? Why didn't he say each evening or each day? The favors of the Lord are renewed each morning. It's a prophecy. On the morning of the third day, the women came to the tomb. They were in grief. They were lamenting. They were wondering who was going to roll away the stone. But the stone had already been rolled away. Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Brothers and sisters, that resurrection is the foundation of our hope and of our work to save America. All right, let's look at what's going on here. You know, this is really, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, I got a lot of notes here for you. It's really not enough to say that it's out of control. And yet, President Trump continues holding his lead in the polls. CBS poll released just the other day that the, the uh, 59% of Americans believe that this latest indictment is just an attempt to stop his campaign. 86% of Republicans believe that. 31% of Democrats, that's not a, a, a negligible number, say the same thing. And what it is, you know, that chief of Soviet uh, secret police, uh, Lavrenti Beria, said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. That's what's going on here. There'll be another indictment coming out in these days out of Atlanta. Uh, Fannie Willis, uh, if this broadcast ever comes across uh, your ears, do you really want to go down in history as a disgrace? Do you, you, do you, Rick? Because we'll make sure of it. Absolutely. Your reputation is on the line here for good. I mean, you're already, you're already known as, as a corrupt lunatic. Okay, that's going to stick with you. But you really want to go down as a total disgrace and an enemy of America? and a foe of her greatest president, think twice, think three times, if you're capable of thinking anymore. And um, 
you know, this is this is what here you're, we're ready to we're ready to do it. We're ready to make sure your memory is completely and totally submerged in shame and um, disgrace. You're doing it to yourself. So are you, Jack Smith, and so are all of you. Up there in New York, Alvin, Alvin Bragg. Oh, yeah, you've got a lot to brag about. These people, brothers and sisters, are a disgrace. The, 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 the disgraceful excuse for uh, leadership and service. Now, there are problems. I want to go into, first of all, you know, this latest indictment. There's going to be this other one out of, uh, out of Atlanta. I'll get to a couple of more thoughts about that in a moment. But the one that, that came down, these are all based on absolute ridiculous distortions of the law, misapplications, putting square pegs into round holes. But let me talk about a couple of things about this latest one where you had the, um, uh, the indictments, the four indictments uh, by, uh, uh, put forward by Jack Smith about the uh, January 6th uh, situation. The problems, first of all, involve... There's a lack of integrity in the whole process because this is a, prose- a, a persecution, a prosecution and a persecution coming uh, about from political partisans. I mean, it's obvious to everybody. So that right away brings a lack of integrity to the process. You know, something of this magnitude, which has not been seen in American history, going after a former president like this, who happens to be the leading candidate of the opposition party of the people who are controlling all this prosecution. I mean, this is so, to say unseemly is, again, an understatement, so unheard of in American political history that if, in fact, it really is the application of the law, which none of us believes, it would have to be something, for something of this magnitude would have to have such strong public support. But as we already saw in the statistic I quoted, it doesn't. And so that in and of itself becomes a problem. It, it, it's sort of like what Professor Alan Dershowitz talks about as the, the Nixon rule. You know, if you're going to uh, um, impeach somebody, like they tried to do the uh, President Trump, uh, of course, he was vindicated twice in the Senate. Uh, if you're going to uh, prosecute somebody like this, you got to apply the Nixon rule, which is that the evidence is so clear, the application of the law is so obviously correct that people of his own party, substantial leaders in his own party, end up agreeing with the other party. Okay, but what you have here is split right down. Um, Partisan lines, of course, you always have some exceptions on both sides, but uh, write down partisan lines, and that's what makes it all the more questionable and harmful to the American system of justice and government. Uh, Secondly, of course, you have prosecutors here with problematic misconduct in their prosecutorial history in the past. Jack Smith overruled unanimously by the Supreme Court, and in other cases it ended up with a hung jury or mistrial. Or The, the guy doesn't know how to apply the law. He's an imbecile. Thirdly, misleading narratives. Smith, um, maybe he doesn't know the words. They were maybe a little bit too difficult. But when President Trump said to march peacefully and patriotically. Do you know that Jack Smith did not include those words in the indictment? Of course, grand juries are one-sided. You realize that. We did a whole program on that not long ago. I mean, I'm not talking about one-sided because the people involved in this case are partisan, biased, but 
they are, uh, but that's not what I'm, what I'm referring to here when I say grand juries are one-sided, as you know. That's the very nature of it. It's not an adversarial process. You don't have witnesses and evidence and arguments being introduced on behalf of the defendant. You only have one-sided arguments being presented by the prosecution. And you only need a majority. You don't need, you don't need unanimity. So grand juries just about always result in indictments. It's part of the very process. It doesn't say anything about the person's guilt. Um, and then speaking about guilt... What these indictments about the January 6th uh, uh, series of events um, rely on here is that President Trump somehow committed a fraud. In other words, that he didn't really believe that the election was stolen, that he really didn't believe what he was saying about the fact that he actually won the election, but the, the, the fraud was on the other side, on the Democrat side. How do you, in fact, prove that? When this person and everybody around him and everybody that knows him and everybody that lived through this with him and everybody who's been listening to everybody, one thing he's been saying for years and years, knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that this man believes it to the very depths of his being. This is a sincere conviction. In America, guess what? We get to have sincere convictions. And we get to express them. And we get to use all the mechanisms that the law provides in order to make them effective. And this is exactly what he did and nothing else. There's no criminality involved here at all, unless you want to criminalize the First Amendment. And that's where we're at with this. But the idea that they want to base this on, oh, well, President Trump was actually trying to deceive us. He didn't really believe what his own words. That is utterly absurd. And good luck trying to prove that. All right. Now, what we see happening here, understand one of the other dynamics here, is that the other side is now in completely control of the narrative, and they are trying, they have already made efforts, they haven't been so successful, in even trying to get President Trump not to speak about these things in his own defense, putting various kinds of gag orders on him. And uh, actually, the judge uh, did not give the prosecution what they wanted here. She said, well, you can't talk about matters that are deemed sensitive, but certainly the judge was unwilling to say to President Trump, well, you can't say anything about all this. Because, you know, again, the judge says, oh, well, you know, politics is not going to enter into this. Yeah, it's all about politics. The judiciary is now inserted into the 2024 presidential race. And it's political, whether you want it to be or not, whether you want to pretend that politics is not going to enter into it or not. In fact, everything you do and say now, I'm talking to the to the to the judge, eventually to the to the jury, is part of the 2024 election. It's there. It's there. It's part of it. Uh, you can't get away from it. You you say to somebody like this, oh well, you can't discuss the matters related to this case. Yeah, but some of the people involved in the case are also his political advisors and people in his campaign. So you have to be able to navigate the political waters. You have to be able to talk with the people on your political team about the political implications of the case. So if you say to somebody, oh, well, you can't talk to the people involved in the case about the case, that, 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 that doesn't make sense in the context of the fact that somebody, the person who's the defendant is somebody who happens to be running for the highest office in the land. This doesn't make sense. From so many different angles, this doesn't make sense. From so many different angles. Now, let's look at, let's take a step back and look at 
what's going on here in terms of what has happened, what's moving forward. Atlanta is coming. Uh, who knows? Maybe by the time you see, I'm just taping this a, a few hours before, maybe by the time you see this, this other indictment from Atlanta will have come, will have come down. They are already in Atlanta setting up security barricades uh, around the court area, shutting down roads and so forth and so on. Fannie Willis is about to seal her reputation as a disgrace in American history. Yeah, look for those, uh, look for those uh, footnotes there, Fannie, in the history books. Uh, look for those footnotes. And uh, alleged attempts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. Because of a phone call to the state's top election official, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, urging him to find the votes. Absolutely appropriate to say when you're in the midst of an election and you think that certain votes were not properly counted, certain votes were possibly added that were false, therefore disenfranchising the authentic voters, you have the right to think and say what you want. He didn't say to the Secretary of State, fabricate the votes. He didn't say, here, print up some uh, ballots and make some fake ones to make up for the votes. That's not what he said. Can you find the votes. Were there ballots that were intentionally destroyed? Ballots that weren't delivered? Ballots that weren't counted? Ballots that were changed? The Secretary of State in each and every state oversees elections. It's completely appropriate to have a conversation to say, hey, you know what? I think that there may have been something that went wrong there. Can you find out? Honest to goodness, friends, if we're going to make this into a crime now, we've, got a, we've changed the entire American system of, of politics and of elections. We've changed it. We've completely changed it. All right, let's take a step back here and look at what's going on here. The number of charges now in these indictments is approaching 100. If you add in what's expected to be about a dozen coming out of Atlanta, you know, each of these, you know, these, these indictments, you've got multiple charges in, in um, the false, falsifying business records case from, uh, uh, from up in New York. You've got uh, 34 uh, state uh, charges in the federal classified documents case, around 40, 42. Uh, this recent January 6th indictment, you've got four uh, charges, all of these one more fake than the other and then possibly a dozen coming out of Atlanta, um, you're talking approximately 90 different charges. Now, here's the, here's the problem here. Now, he's got to defend himself against each and every one of these. To get a conviction and possibly a jail sentence, they only have to convict him on one. So they're throwing all these different things out, all, again, twisting the law into a, a pretzel. I mean, this is... This is legal malpractice, prosecutorial misconduct to the highest degree that we have ever seen. Um, uh, this, is, this is the Soviet chief of, of police. Find me the man and I'll show you the crime. But what this also is, brothers and sisters, is setting up a probabilities game here where 
you know, all they have to do is get a conviction on one of these. And then we're actually inching closer to the point where not only a former president, the greatest president can actually be sentenced to prison time. You know, um, let's look at the good and the bad about this. How can there be any good in this? These things go to trial. Now you, ha- you do have an adversarial process. Now you do have an adversarial process. Now you do have rights whereby the defendant, President Trump, actually can bring forth with his legal team the evidence that shows him to be right, that shows that he did not commit any crime whatsoever. There's no good in this. But what I am saying here is that there is now going to be an adversarial process where, well, we do have witnesses and we do have cross-examination of their witnesses. And where, as President Trump himself has said, now we're going to be able to do for the American people what the courts in the aftermath of the 2020 election were not willing to do. Dozens and dozens, scores of, what is it, 70 different instances where courts were brought cases regarding questionable outcomes of the 2020 election. And some people, really ignorant as they are, people on the Democrat side, some ignorant people on the Republican side who should know better, Go along and say, uh, oh, well, you know, the courts, uh, you know, uh, ruled against uh, President Trump or, or they, they, uh, they, they told, said that these things were, 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 were false. They said no such thing. They didn't even examine the evidence. You look at what happened with the court cases following the 2020 elections. It wasn't a matter of disproving the claims. It was a matter of refusing to hear them. There's a really big difference. Don't let people get away with saying, because they get away with it all the time in their arrogant ignorance. Oh, well, they are. The courts threw that out. The courts didn't. As if the courts contradicted the the mountains of evidence of problems and fraud and, 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 and difficulties with this election. As if they looked at that mountain of evidence and disproved it. They did no such thing. They said, we don't have, we are not in a position to be able to examine this. Uh, they, they dismissed these cases on procedural grounds, not substantive grounds. Don't let anybody get away without making that distinction. The point is now it goes both ways. Unlike grand juries, which only go in one direction, it's the prosecution giving their arguments. Now we're going to have prosecution and defense and a higher standard, of course. To get a conviction, you've got to convict, uh, the jury has to convict beyond beyond a reasonable doubt. That's not not the standard uh, uh, when it comes to grand juries. So there's a lot yet to happen here. I hesitate to think what level of outrage there would be I, I can't even, it'd be hard to imagine the level of outrage. I think myself, myself personally, you can think of yourselves. And then across America, the tens of millions of people 
who are already fully outraged at all of this, the level of outrage would go beyond the boiling point if some judge were to try to impose a, a prison sentence on this president. Now, I have here, I have these books here for a reason. Letters to Trump, do you have this book? Showing the letters that he wrote to and received from various world leaders, celebrities, business uh, leaders, great Americans, great world leaders, and some not so great, but letters that he got showing the utter respect, showing the gratitude, showing the influence that this man as President of the United States from 2017 to 2021 had. I mean, it's, it's, there's that. Our Journey Together. Do you have this book? I've talked about these books when they came out. Our Journey Together. The Four Years of President Trump's uh, Administration. The Historic Accomplishments on the world stage, on the national stage, the legislation, the eradication of terrorism, the growth of the most strong and diverse economy in our history, the advancement of the right to life, the appointment of, 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 cons- of conservative judges on the courts and three Supreme Court justices, and on and on it goes. You know that I've shown you the, the 51 pages of small print of the accomplishments, and they're just the headlines, they're not even a description. The accomplishments of this administration There was an earlier book that came out celebrating the achievements um, of President Trump. You know, the energy uh, energy independence, energy dominance. Again, legislation signed and historic accomplishments made. Uh, What he did for Israel, Jerusalem, the things that, that past presidents have promised and said that they would do and said would be good to do, and somehow they never had the know-how, the skill, the negotiating power, the courage, the determination, the decisiveness to be able to accomplish. What am I saying? I am saying that these are the record that make the case that the response to this man should be humble gratitude. The other side, the Jack Smiths of the world, the Alvin Braggs, the Merrick Garlands, the Joe Bidens of this world are so utterly devoid of conscience, so completely corrupt in their souls, so absolutely arrogant and deeply ungrateful individuals. I mean, the only explanation, the only explanation as to why they, in the light of this, this is not fiction here, this is fact, in the light of these accomplishments, in the light of this historic presidency, that these people, instead of exercising humble gratitude, would be trying to put this man in prison, there's one explanation for this, and one only, that they hate America. Now, there are two books coming out. I want you to take notice of them. And we'll continue part two of the. I knew this was going to happen. I am like, you know, <laughs> one-eighth one of the way through the material I have prepared for you here today. So we're going to continue part two of this tomorrow. There are two books coming out within the coming weeks. 
that I really want to urge you to get, to read, and to share with everybody that you know. And we'll be dealing with these books here on these programs. One is from Dick Morris and one is from Mark Levin. The one from Dick Morris is called The Biden Corruption Family. This is going to be, and this was part two of what I have prepared for you here tonight. To summarize it, look, we have somebody sitting in the White House right now. He and his family are guilty of bribery, of money laundering, of extortion, of wire fraud, in collaboration with countries who are enemies of America. They are guilty. The facts are out there. Again, we're not making this up. These people have betrayed America. And Dick Morris is going to lay it out clearly. The Biden corruption family, Dick Morris. And then Mark Levin's book, you can pre-order it right here, right now, and before this program is even over. The Democrat Party Hates America. 400-page book that's going to outline things that are so utterly uh, jaw-dropping facts about this party that is, is behind all this, all this Marxist stuff that's invading America. This tyranny that is a cause of the kind of grief and distress that we read about in the Book of Lamentations. I'm just going to pick up from here uh, tomorrow. Uh, Be sure to tune in and uh, let others know about these programs. Get these books too. Letters to Trump, Our Journey Together. Start with those. Uh, They're marvelous um, testaments to the greatness that we, we've all lived through it. We've, we've lived through it from, 20, from that, that glorious election of 2016 right through the beginning of 2021. We've lived through it. America lived through it. America and the world were blessed by it and will continue to enjoy those blessings for a long time to come. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you with lamentation and grief and distress. Lord God, what we see happening before our eyes is absolutely unconscionable and intolerable that someone who has done so much for this country is made such a, made into such a political enemy lord god what on earth is wrong with the people who are opposing president trump and thereby opposing us lord it's not just about him it's about us it's about your kingdom it's about our nation it's about what we stand for it's about freedom it's about the right to life it's about all the good that we devote ourselves to when we raise our families, educate our children, and, and exercise patriotism. This is what it's about this. And all of it under such attack. And so we turn to you, just as our founders did, because you are the God of providence. You are the God of our lives. You are the God who rules the nations. You are the God who sends the spirit that we now invoke upon this country. Preserve us, O God, from this arrogant tyranny. All tyranny is arrogant. But preserve us from what these people are doing. And while they are doing this to President Trump, they themselves are filled with such corruption from Biden to Jack Smith to Fannie Willis all the way down to Alvin Bragg and all these people filled, filled with corruption. God. Set us free. 
Send your Holy Spirit, your spirit breathed at the dawn of creation over the the chaos and turbulence and darkness of the original universe at its very beginnings and brought brought about order and peace and light and life. Send that spirit again. Because we have darkness churning around us. Chaos and confusion. Destruction and disorder. Sin and perversity. Save us, Lord God. Save us and bring us light and truth and order and goodness and justice and righteousness. And Lord, again, as we look at what you have done through President Trump, gratitude and reverence. Gratitude and reverence. This is a man who for the rest of his life should be honored by the American people. Honored and given a chance to continue the work he started with a second term in office. Bless us, Lord, now as we pray for all our intentions, all the intentions of our viewers, all the intentions of our fellow patriots, coast to coast. And as we pray in the words Jesus gave us, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to invite you to follow me on social media, friends, at FR Frank Pavone. Some of you are watching me on those platforms right now. But make sure you're following, subscribing, friending, doing all the different things that social media does at FR Frank Pavone and spread the word about our program. we got a lot more here to go through and to talk about as we uh, all continue to follow what's happening in America and work to save this nation. Thank you for what you do in that regard. Let's pray for one another, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. For Life is an extraordinarily fine group. Uh, And I I don't say that in order to um, make anybody feel better or flatter anyone. Uh, it's It's an unusual and a very unique group in that most of the priests whom I have encountered across this country and indeed around the world are shy away from the subject of abortion. They somehow want to keep it under the rug and only pull it out when they're ordered to. Uh, In my own experience as a Catholic convert for the last several years, um, I've attended a great many masses and listened to a great many homilies, and I believe in three years I've listened only to one homily on the subject of abortion, and that was here in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Other than that, priests seem not to want to talk about it. And priests for life is the Paul Revere of this whole gestalt, that priests for life are riding around trying to galvanize the rest of the clergy into getting engaged in what is one of the most appalling revolutions of the 20th century. And I am uh, enormously grateful to them and admire their work enormously, but unfortunately I believe that there are not enough that Priests for Life should be should have a staff 20 times what it has now. 
This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.